You're listening to the Anesthesia Patient Safety Podcast, the official podcast of the Anesthesia Patient Safety Foundation. We're bringing you the very best from the APSF newsletter and website, as well as the latest information in perioperative patient safety. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the Anesthesia Patient Safety Podcast. My name is Allie Bechtel, and I'm your host. Thank you for joining us for another show. We are returning to the February 2022 newsletter once again today. Our show today is all about a question that comes up on labor and delivery wards regarding the safety of lumbar epidurals for labor analgesia. So stay tuned. Before we dive into the episode today, we'd like to recognize BD, a major corporate supporter of APSF. BD has generously provided unrestricted support to further our vision that no one shall be harmed by anesthesia care. Thank you, BD. We wouldn't be able to do all that we do without you. Without further delay, our featured article today is Do Epidurals Cause Autism? No. A Review of the Controversy and What Patients and Providers Need to Know by Carolyn Thomas and Jennifer Benayan. To follow along with us, head over to APSF.org and click on the newsletter heading. First one down is Current Issue. Then scroll down until you see our featured article today. I will include a link in the show notes as well. Have you ever discussed epidural analgesia options with a pregnant patient and been asked this question? Do epidurals cause autism? The short answer is no, and we are going to explore more about this important topic for pregnant patients and anesthesiology professionals, including a review of the literature and the surrounding controversy. Before we get into the article, we are going to hear from one of the authors, Carolyn Thomas. Let's take a listen now. Hello, my name is Caroline Thomas, and I am a obstetric anesthesiology fellow at Northwestern University in Chicago. In a past life, I was also a pediatrician and completed pediatric residency at Stanford University in California. I would really like to thank the APSF for having me on your podcast and for discussing this important topic with your listeners. We are so excited to have Thomas on the show today. To kick things off, I asked Thomas, why did you write this article? Let's take a listen to what she had to say. I wrote this article because as a pediatrician, I know how important it is for new and upcoming parents to make medical decisions they feel are in their child's best interest, and this includes decisions regarding labor analgesia. The goal of this article was to provide a summary of the available scientific data in a field of research that is evolving in real time. My biggest concern is that women may not opt for epidural analgesia due to unwarranted fear that epidurals might cause autism. And now it's time to review autism and the available data related to epidural analgesia. The authors start with background information about autism, which is a developmental disorder with persistent deficits in communication and social interaction. Patients with autism may also have stereotypic or repetitive behaviors. The etiology for autism is unknown, but is likely related to environmental and genetic risk factors. In the United States, the incidence of autism has increased with more research being done to evaluate risk factors recently. 
Perinatal and neonatal exposures have been evaluated, as well as obstetric and delivery risk factors, but the results have not provided reliable answers for the risk factors for autism and why the incidence is increasing. Then, on October 12, 2020, an article was published in JAMA Pediatrics. Association between epidural analgesia during labor and risk of autism spectrum disorder in offspring. This article highlighted this important patient safety concern and kicked off a debate that we are going to discuss today. I will include a citation for this article in the show notes as well. First up, let's discuss the JAMA Pediatrics article that evaluated the association between lumbar epidural anesthesia exposure and the risk of developing autism in offspring. This was a retrospective longitudinal cohort analysis of almost 150,000 singleton children born by vaginal delivery between 28 and 44 weeks gestational age in the Kaiser Permanente Southern California hospital system between 2008 and 2015. The authors of this article used electronic medical records to assess anesthetic records and standardized autism evaluations at 18 months and 24 months old. Now for the results. The authors reported the following. Epidural usage rate of 74.2%, with 1.9% of children in the lumbar epidural exposure group being diagnosed with autism, compared to 1.3% of children in the non-epidural group. Looking closer at the lumbar epidural group, longer duration of epidural exposure was associated with a higher risk for the offspring developing autism. But maternal fever related to the epidural was not associated with an increased risk of autism in the children. The authors highlight that this is a concerning finding about the safety of lumbar epidurals related to long-term health outcomes for the offspring following the exposure, and state that more research in this area is needed to further evaluate this association. This study had a big impact in terms of questions about the safety of epidural exposure during labor, as well as the methodology of the study, and the response to this publication was quick. On the same day, in fact, five medical societies, including the ASA, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, the Society for Obstetric Anesthesia and Perinatology, the Society for Pediatric Anesthesia, and the Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine published a joint statement with the goal to reassure pregnant patients. The joint statement includes the following key points. The article, quote, does not provide credible scientific evidence that labor epidurals for pain relief cause autism, end quote, since an association between the treatment, the lumbar epidural analgesia, and the outcome, development of autism in exposed offspring does not prove that the treatment caused the outcome. This is such an important point that cannot be understated. The article may cause anxiety for pregnant patients when deciding on analgesia options during labor. Labor epidurals are safe and effective for analgesia during labor and should continue to be offered, especially since they are the gold standard and have been shown to improve maternal and neonatal outcomes. Limitations of this study include unknown details about the deliveries or other possible causes of autism. I'm going to read the last paragraph of the joint statement now. 
Additionally, while the authors speculate about mechanisms, like maternal fever, that could explain a link between epidural pain relief and autism, none of these are plausible or confirmed in the analysis. Epidural analgesia involves administering small amounts of dilute local anesthetics and opioids into the mother's epidural space. Very low levels of these drugs are transferred to the infant, and there is no evidence that these very low levels of drug exposure cause any harm to an infant's brain. We urge women to continue to choose safe ways to relieve pain, including epidurals, for a positive childbirth experience. Our organizations will continue to foster research and education in all aspects of childbirth care, including the safety of labor analgesia for mother and child. I will include a link to the joint statement in the show notes as well. This is a must-read for all anesthesia professionals who take care of obstetric patients. Let's continue our literature review by looking at several other studies published afterwards in 2021 related to the association between epidurals and autism. Check out Table 1 in the article for more information. The first column is the JAMA Pediatric Study. Remember, this study found an association between maternal use and duration of labor epidural analgesia and autism with important limitations, including duration of epidural exposure, but not cumulative dose, single-center retrospective cohort study, baseline differences between patients in the two groups, and the risk for residual confounding factors. The response to this article from the medical community included critiques, criticisms, and letters to the editor, all related to the limitations with the study, especially the residual and uncontrolled confounding. The JAMA Pediatrics Editor-in-Chief replied with an editor's note that stated that he did not think that the article succeeded in establishing the association and that JAMA Pediatrics was committed to publishing a more definitive study in the future. The highlighted limitations included the following. Failure to consider whether the parents had autism since there is a genetic component to the development of autism. And the biological plausibility of low-dose local anesthetic administration into the epidural space for the mother leading to affecting the developing brain in the child. The authors tell us that there is very sparse data regarding any causal relationship between lumbar epidural analgesia and abnormal neurologic development in both humans and animals. Now, if we go back to table one in the article, we can look at the next study by Wall Wheeler and colleagues from April 2021. This was a longitudinal population-based cohort study of over 120,000 children born in Manitoba, Canada. The exposure was maternal use of epidural labor analgesia, and the neuraxial rate for this study was much lower, at 38.2%. The investigators found that there was no association between autism and labor epidural exposure. Limitations for this study included less risk for residual confounding since more covariates were included, no information about drug dosing, baseline differences between patients in both groups, and low epidural utilization. Fast forward to September 2021, and another study came out by Mickelson and colleagues that was a nationwide retrospective cohort study 
of almost 500,000 children born in Denmark that evaluated the exposure of labor epidural analgesia. The neuraxial utilization rate was 19.4%. Once again, autism was not associated with labor epidural exposure. This study had the same limitations as the Wall-Wheeler study, including less risk for residual confounding since more covariants were included, no information about drug dosing, baseline differences between patients in both groups, and low epidural utilization. Another article was published in September 2021 by Hanley and colleagues. This was another longitudinal population-based cohort study of almost 400,000 children born in British Columbia, Canada. The epidural utilization rate was 28.7%. This time, there was a small association between autism and labor epidural exposure, and there were the same limitations. Don't worry, I will include citations for these studies in the show notes for you to review as well. Keep in mind that the follow-up studies included more covariance to decrease the impact of residual confounding. In this last study by Hanley and colleagues that reported a small association, the investigators performed multiple sensitivity analyses that did not show an association, leading to their conclusion that there was a high likelihood for residual confounding and that there was not enough evidence for an association between labor epidural exposure and autism. We have so much more to discuss related to this article, including the most serious concern with the JAMA Pediatric Study, as well as how to discuss this important topic with your patients. So tune in next week. Plus, we are going to hear from Thomas again. So mark your calendars. The Society for Neuroscience and Anesthesiology and Critical Care 50th Annual Meeting is going to be in Seattle on September 8th through 10th. The online submission site for abstracts is open now, but you need to get your abstract in soon because the deadline to submit is 11.59 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time on Monday, May 2nd, which is coming up. Abstract categories include the following. Basic science, clinical science, medically challenging case, education, neuromonitoring, neuroprotection, cerebral ischemia, patient safety, quality assessment, cerebrovascular and or subarachnoid hemorrhage, stroke, delirium, cognition, EEG monitoring, clinical trial, and other. One of the annual award categories is the APSF Patient Safety Abstract Award of $500. That's right. So go ahead and submit your patient safety-related abstract for the annual snack meeting, and you could win this award and present your patient safety-related abstract at the meeting. I will include a link to the submission site in the show notes as well. Thank you so much to Thomas for contributing to the show today and for helping to share the critical message that labor epidurals do not cause autism. We are looking forward to hearing from you again next week. This is important information for anesthesia professionals, obstetricians, nurses, our patients, and other members of the obstetric healthcare team, so we hope that you will share this podcast and article with them. We have the answer to the question, do epidurals cause autism? The short answer is no, and the longer answer is there is not a correlation or a causative relationship between autism and lumbar epidurals for labor analgesia. If you have any questions or comments from today's show, please email us at podcast at APSF.org. 
Please keep in mind that the information in this show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical or legal advice. We hope that you will visit APSF.org for detailed information and check out the show notes for links to all the topics we discussed today. Until next time, stay vigilant so that no one shall be harmed by anesthesia care.